0: Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus, and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Uh, but we're kicking off a new series today, and Pastor Craig actually said something that saves me about five minutes of an intro that really wasn't that good. Uh, anyways. He talked about this idea of a hope for hopelessness. We believe that the, that the answer to our situation, the answer to all of the issues that we see around us is Jesus. Unapologetically, if you don't follow Jesus, you just need to know about Horizon Churches. We believe that. We believe that Jesus is the solution. He is the answer, that every need that we have is answered in the person and the sacrifice of Jesus, unashamedly. But if you've been around church long enough, you will know that that is the answer, but you can say yes to that, you can walk into that, but sometimes you can be left a little bit wanting. Anyone ever had a late night snack that you thought was just gonna hit the spot and all that led to was a bunch of bloating and sleepless night, anyone? Just me? This shirt used to button up, I promise. But we've had these moments where we think we have an expectation of desire, of fulfillment, but the reality is sometimes it doesn't. And if I'm honest, we're about to start a four-week series around this idea and the topic of community. Gathering together. These moments are fantastic and they are needed and part of how God steps in to be the answer. But sometimes we can stand and worship and it's fantastic. And the moment there's hope, but then Monday to Friday happens and we slink Slink, that's a word, right? We sink back into hopelessness. This idea of community if Jesus is the answer how is he the answer to things like loneliness how is he the answer to things like our personal struggle how does Jesus show up in these areas and as we read scripture and look at the life of the early church and the life of Jesus we see that Jesus death on the cross fixed our problem of sin and Jesus calls us then into community which helps shape and fix this area of loneliness of our need for help and people. It said in Western cultures, it's very common for day-to-day activities to be done done alone. Living an individualistic culture. In North America, this is what we live in. Most of what is done is often done independently. And most people wouldn't even see that as a bad thing. They see that as a virtue. If I get the house lights up just a little bit, I just want to make sure no one's falling asleep, uh, and it'll help me as well. Though human beings are social creatures, interesting, this isn't a Christian author who's writing this, uh, with the rise of social media and digital communication, it is possible that our culture is actually becoming more lonelier than ever. We are digitally connected but socially isolated. To put a cap on the top of it is Vancouver culture is a prime example of an individualistic culture. We pursue our own agenda in cafes, on the buses, and other public places, with our eyes on our devices, missing the opportunity for connections. We see a growing incompatibility between the individualistic culture we live in and inhabit and the longing and the desires that we find deep within ourselves for meaningful connection. And we see that this idea, this longing for connection, but yet the incompatibility with the culture around us or what we tend to lean towards in doing life alone and keeping to myself isn't something that's unique to us. We see that this is actually part of the human condition with sin, that we tend to run from community. Back in Genesis 3, one of the first symptoms of sin is that we actually pull back and pull away from community with God and we hide ourselves from each other. We see that sin tends to isolate us. And, and January 1, Pastor Craig talked on a message called Let Us out of Hebrews 10. And, Paul, and the writer, uh, sorry, I, uh, I tend to think Paul wrote Hebrews, but we're not sure. But that's besides the point. That's a geek fact. We're moving on. Hebrews chapter 10, we see that the writer is speaking to this condition that we find ourselves in that actually pre-existed us. As Pastor Craig talked about, the beginning of chapter 10 talks all about this incredible moment where Jesus solves the problem of sin. He is our hope. He fills us. It's his blood that cleanses us in him when we surrender. We are new creations. We are new life. It is this amazing happening. And then we see the outwork, and in verse 22 it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed us from guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, everything we just celebrated in communion. And then let us, not the romaine, but let us, hold unswervingly to, sorry, I stole your joke, Pastor Craig. That was cheap. We'll move on. To the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Can't tell you how often I find myself guilty of reading the promises of God and thinking intellectually that's great, but having no expectation of experiencing it in my life. The fact that he's faithful means that he's still faithful today. Yeah, it may look different, it may be a different timing, a different process, but we hold to a faith and a God who is true to who he says he is. And let us consider how we may spur, we're going to come back to that word in a couple of weeks, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We're supposed to encourage and spur each other, and the context to which we are to do that is this, let us not give up meeting together. Turn to your neighbor and say, together. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, I love that anytime you see that there's a command in the Bible, it's normally because our propensity is to not do that. Like I don't have to command Zoe to want to watch TV, right? I'm like, Zoe, no, you need to watch more puppies. Like, I don't need to do that. That the, any area of their time there's a command or a direction. It's because our natural inclinations is to not. Do that, And as humans, it is this weird idea and, and truth that we find that we were created for relationship, but yet our natural inclinations are actually towards isolation, self-preservation, and self. But Jesus in the gospel gives us a different option and a better story to the answer and the question of how do we solve our loneliness. You see, first and foremost, we need to understand this, that you and I, we were actually created for community. Like you were created by it. And what that means, if, we, if you follow Jesus, we believe this, that there was a creator, and he is a relational God. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, we see that in who he is, relationship is part of it. And he created us in his image, relational, for relationship. Like, this is how we are designed. And as we see in that article that I read, whether it's a a psychologist that doesn't claim to follow Jesus at all or a careful, careful study of the creation account and the sin account and the gospel through all the gospels, we see that we were actually designed for community. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can't get away from it. There's a longing to connect. And with that longing to connect, we see the reality is that we're terrible at it. We're just not good. What is it that causes us to struggle with this idea of deep, meaningful connection? You see, community is kind of a buzzword uh, today, isn't it? If, you know you're, if you're on the ticky-tocks or the Instagrams, like you find all the time, it's just like, oh, community this, community this. We get companies now that are corporations that they're spending lots of money to, oh, come work for us, it's a community feel. And, and there's this longing and this desire for it, for all the ads that we see, it's like this community, it, it draws to us, we want that life. This life of, of, of seemingly no tasks or no responsibilities, but just deep, meaningful connection, it's fantastic. You see, but anything good that the Lord has created for us, the enemy will come to you with a cheap substitute that claims to deliver the same thing, but leaves you longing for more. You see, culture's idea of community puts you and I at the center, right? You think about it. Like, w- w- describe the community. Well, you know, it, it's just got to be casual. You know, people that I get along with that make me feel good. Or, or maybe I'll engage in community because as a younger guy, I'm going to get around a, an older gentleman that, you know, has his life together and has his savings, knows how to lead his house. So I'm going to invest. I want to get close to that relationship because I want to gain what he has for me. And I, I want to hang out with people that I like, that serve me, that further my goals, that make me feel good and just meet my needs. Sounds great, right? I just want like minded people to hang it to laugh with, to have joy with. But it's gotta be casual, and we see the reality on the gross underbelly of this fake counterfeit of community that self is at the center because anytime you need to sacrifice something of yourself, we run. The last two years has been a masterclass that we don't know how to do community with people that don't believe the same thing as us. Look no further than the comment section of any political post. Not only as the church, but man, as society, we have no clue how to prefer others in love. We, don't, we have lost even the concept. Not even do we lost the concept. We actually don't think it's something we're called to with echo chambers and everything else going on that we see anytime I'm called to commit to community, but ah, I'm just busy, it doesn't fit my schedule, I, I don't commit to it, or I don't want to commit to plans because what if something better comes up? Everything finds self... And serving of self at the center. So there's this longing for community, but we chase something that actually creates us into being people that are inward to ourselves. Looking for people to serve us and our needs. It just doesn't work. See, the culture around us is constantly saying that the solution to our loneliness is just finding the right people. If you're single, it's just finding that right person. Can I tell you that if you were lonely single, you will be lonely married? And I tell you, if you're lonely as a couple, you'll be lonely as parents. That just adding things you think you need to serve, it doesn't actually fix this condition that you were created for, and sin has created some distance between you and that thing. Therefore, other people who are broken and flawed will never fulfill that thing that Jesus was only meant to fulfill. You were created for relationship, which begs to ask the question, what does Jesus say to a lonely individualistic culture? And I love that in Acts chapter 2, 42, this will be some of our verse, main verse that we lead into in this series. We see, again, just like in Hebrews, as Pastor Craig talked about at the beginning of the year, there's this incredible moment where Holy Spirit falls. God does incredible works. People get saved. The church, as we know it, is birthed. 3,000 men, not including women and children, are born. This incredible moment where God stands to be the answer to our problem, fixes things. And then we see a description of the type of things that those people devoted themselves to. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and prayer. And over the next four weeks, we're going to take some time looking at that second one of fellowship. What does this look like practically for you and I? And this word, the, the Greek word that we get fellowship from, follow me here, I won't go too deep, but it's actually, I think it really opens up a window to us that shows us how culture's idea of community is actually a counterfeit to kingdom's idea of community. The word that we get fellowship from is this word koinonia. Turn your neighbor say koinonia. You didn't know you were going to learn Greek today. You're welcome. There it is. You see, it, it, it's this Greek word. It's the title actually of this series, Koinonia. If you're taking notes, you'd like a title and you're, you know, type A like that. You can write down koinonia. It's on the screen right there if you want to know how to spell it. But the definition of koinonia, it's this idea of Common. Uh, to have one pool of things that we all share, commonality or to have all things in common or of mutual interest, right? It's this idea that the fellowship was based around, hey, we're all in this together, we have all things in common. And if you've read the Acts account, your mind probably goes to actually verse 44 that says they had all things in common. It said, because of these four things they committed themselves to, the world was blown away by the works and the miracles that were happening through them. And it said that the rich actually sold their things and that they had excess of to help those who didn't have enough. And it says they had all property and things in common. And if we're not careful, we can think like, okay, great. And if you don't have a lot, you're like, amen. And if you own your house, you're like, no, thank you. Right? Like, if we hear this, like, is this in Nia. And we can incorrectly come to the conclusion that fellowship simply means always oh, have to share all of our stuff. See, oftentimes we hear koinonia, or to have all things in common, our minds go to 44. But this was uh, not the actual call of koinonia, but it was a perspective of when you have koinonia, these are the types of things you are led to do because of your common ground. See, the primary focus of commonality in the word koinonia, go up on the screen, is not our possessions, but rather of Jesus. Let me read that again. The primary focus of commonality is not your things, but it is Jesus. This was a group of people that the uniting factor was their service to and their love of Jesus. Their commitment to love him and follow his will and his way. It was this type of commitment that the Holy Spirit could then whisper and say, hey, you need to help those in need, where it was no problem, absolutely. This was descriptive of something that happened, not prescriptive for how everyone needs to live. What is prescriptive is that for those who are created for relationship with God, we are actually called then to relationship with each other. We're not self, but Christ is at the center of your community. We are not only created for relationship and community. We are called to community. Can't say it any better than Pastor Craig did on January 1st. It's just terrible theology to think that there could be an existence in your following of Jesus where you love and follow Jesus but you don't connect with his church. To follow Jesus means, according to Ephesians 1, you're given a new identity. No longer slaves or enemies of God, but what? Children of God, right? Sons and daughters. If he's the father, we're the children. What does that make us? Brothers and sisters. You can't have a new identity without an implied new family. This is what Jesus has called us to. And it's this type of community that we want to take some time and look at. How do we engage in this? But it, begs to ask some of the questions and it's not going to be exhaustive I want to look at just three points is why is this type of community important because this type of community will actually lead us to sacrifice This type of community will actually cost us some things. This type of community, if it's not just an option, but something we are called to, and as Pastor Craig said today, Jesus is our hope, but some of the way that we see Jesus work that hope out in our lives is not just through worship of Him, but it's through relationship with each other. Relationship that is not centered around our needs, our interests, our political views, but is centered around King Jesus, His kingdom, and His culture. They're different types of relationships. It's a different type of community because it's centered around a different type of person. And number one, why is this so important? Because koinonia, this type of community, it glorifies Jesus. I think it's important to get this in order because if you look to all like things like, you know, we've heard of small groups or community or I need to find people and our primary goal is to get my needs met, again, we find ourselves at the center the main reason that Jesus calls us to be in community, not forsake gathering together, is that it, it, it is an incredible witness to the world around us. John 13, 35 says this, They will know you belong to me. They will know you are my disciples, if what? By what? Your love one for another. And that verse is not our love for the community. It's actually our love for this room right here. Those who call themselves disciple. We are called to live committed to relationships and community in such a way where the world would see our differences, see our hardships, but would be like, what the heck? They operate in a way that is so drastically different than how the world would be. They must belong to Jesus. Could you imagine in Acts 2 when they saw people selling their property and giving it to people? It was their commonality of Christ, their obedience to Him and love for each other that led them to do that. Later on in the Roman Empire, we see that it was Christians and that community that took babies that the Roman Empire would throw out because they were not the right gender and would rescue them into their community. It was a sign to an unbelieving world that who we belong to is King Jesus. Pastor Mike talked about last week, sometimes why we lift our hands, why we worship the way we do is not for us, it's meant to be a witness to those who are watching. Not only in how we worship, but in how we hold community, it is meant to be a sign to those around us that glorifies Jesus. Paul talks about this in Philippians, says, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, And then he goes on to say, with one heart, with one spirit, striving together. Later in Ephesians, to the different church of Ephesians, he says, now walk worthy of the gospel. How do we do that? He then speaks to humility and patience and kindness, this type of community we have for people. And we see that there is a connection between our love and our relationship and commitment to each other where Christ is the center and the glorifying of Jesus to a world who is watching to a world that is searching for an answer to their loneliness. Maybe it's not deeper worship. Maybe it's deeper community as a result of our deep worship of Jesus that can actually reach out, can actually be a sign. Not only is koinonia something that glorifies Jesus, it deeply shapes you and I. It deeply shapes. See, the social interactions we have with people, and I'll say it this way, the friction you feel is not just difference of people. It, maybe it's a tool that the Holy Spirit is trying as iron sharpens iron. If we are committed to the same God and his will and we are in connection with people and they rub us the wrong way, maybe it's meant to shape us to be more like Jesus. This type of community that is not based, doesn't put me at the center, but actually prefers others in love. And when you have a group of people who are committed to the same goal, Jesus, his will and his word and seeing his kingdom advance, you don't have to look out for your own needs because you are believing through faith that someone else is also looking out for your needs as you prefer others in love. Now, I'm not naive to think that that never gets taken advantage of. We're all broken people. Nonetheless, Jesus calls us to not forsake this type of gathering that shapes us and forms us. See, the social aspects of our life, we live in this um, day of enlightenment where we come to the deception that if we can understand something intellectually, we actually possess that. Great example of this is when I started studying kind of the idea of Sabbath. I'd listen to all these different messages. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. It's life-changing. Oh, it's fantastic. And I began to deceive myself in thinking, man, this is changing my life. This is so good. But it's not knowledge that transforms us. It's actually doing something about what you know. We're called to live out. I was studying this, talking to my father about this idea. Look at the fruits of the Spirit that we're called to produce in Galatians. How do you know if you possess those if you're not interacting with people that cause you to operate in them? Oh, I just got the peace of the Lord. Prove it. Babysit my child. (laughs) Right? Or just come have coffee with me. I'll give you plenty of opportunity not to. Patience, kindness, self-control, the things that the Spirit desires to produce in our life, one of the ways we are shaped more into the character of Jesus by his Holy Spirit power is through each other. It's commitment to each other centered around Jesus where you rub up against me and I rub up against you and our difference of opinions not to glorify one person or the other but to make us more into the shape and the person of Jesus. It's where we practice this new formation. Can I just say this isn't just a concept? In 2018, I remember just praying and really being convicted that some of the things that I've been trying to grow in in my relationship with Jesus, there was just stagnant. I remember struggling. But God, I just don't feel like I'm more near your character. I'm read my Bible and do my devotions and faithfully serving at church and doing what we can and trying to engage. But there's this growing desire and this realization that something was missing. And it actually wasn't until I saw something in my older brother who I grew up with my entire life. And I began to see a difference in him. There was just a softness about him. And if you, had, you, know, if you have a brother, you understand that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it was just a gentleness. He, he looked me in the eyes and asked me how I was doing and started to share what God was doing in his life. And this was nothing that we had ever experienced. I began to ask him, like, Jay, and I remember one time we were driving to go hunting. I said, hey, like, what's going on with you, man? Like, like, not in a bad way. Like, this is incredible. Like, what? And he began to just share that he had committed to a small group of four different guys that were just committed to grow in their relationship with Jesus. They put Jesus at the center. They met early for coffee. They figured out when they did. And they just began to want to grow. And that, for them, it looked like different books around spiritual discipline and how can we actually help each other work this out. And it was actually in this group of relationships with other people where someone was able to say to them, hey man, you're kind of negative about this area. Or hey, you're kind of anxious in this. It was the rubbing of a different perspective and a different opinion. We tend to think that we are aware of our weaknesses. Everyone, you're aware of your weaknesses? You know where you're weak, right? And we tend to think weakness is synonymous with blind spots. But by definition of your blind spot, you are actually unaware of what it is. Weaknesses you're aware of, blind spots you're not. It's our blind spots that will cause us to fight the formation of Jesus. But in deep, meaningful community and connection, people with different perspectives can see your blind spots. And with love, spur you on towards love and good deeds. And I saw this in shape and I said, I do, like, can I join? And he, of course, said no uh, because I don't think his formation and his peace would be any better if I joined. But it led me to talk to a couple people, and I said, Hey, this is gonna sound weird. I don't want to. And for us, it was like, I, Do you want to start a book club? And before you say no, I know that sounds lame, um, but but here's my here's my thought I don't really care about the book, um, I just I know I. I'm never gonna grow into the man that God's called me to be, the son of God, the father, the husband that God's called me to be, if something doesn't change. I need you to help shape Jesus in me. And I and I get the sense that you might as well. And I said, Hey, and I I don't like, I just I need to know you're in this with me and you want to commit to this. And a couple people said, Hey, we'll do this. And can I tell you? That after growing up in church my entire life, four years of Bible college, being on staff at a church, nothing has more shaped and improved, uh, not improved and to make it better, but to further my formation in Jesus than that book club. Not saying that that's the answer. It's the book club that is centered around Jesus and powered by the Holy Spirit. Men who are committed to loving the local church, serving in the local church, submitting to authority—all of the things. But community, koinonia, committing to a group of just a few people, where you are submitted to each other, where Christ is the center—is one of the greatest tools that Jesus left us to see His character formed in us. Before we say, "Well, God, what did Jesus did this." 72 disciples out two by two, his 12 disciples, but there was a few that were with him in the most intimate moments. Why do you need a smaller group of people? Because reality is no one wants to stand up in this room and open up your garbage and be vulnerable with what's going on. But we find ourselves in smaller groups of people we're actually a bit more free to be vulnerable and trusting, and then we can actually submit to Jesus the true parts of our heart and our soul that need to be shaped in the context of loving community where Christ is the center, where Jesus can begin to work on things and to begin to shift and shape things. But the reality is we fight this because self we're so used to self-preservation. But family, why is this so important? The last point is such good news is because koinonia ultimately fulfills us. Isn't it just like the enemy to cause your flesh to scream against the things that are actually the fulfillment of your soul? We know it would be great to go to the gym, but man, my flesh doesn't want to. We know eating right is better, but oh, we just don't want to. And it's not even like we've never experienced before. Some of you, you've experienced this type of koinonia and relationship, but for a, a, a list of different reasons, you've fallen away from that. Or you got hurt, or, or you, you got offended, or or it just kind of came to an end. And I've had both experiences. I've had some that are just like, oh. I don't know if I ever want to be a part of a small group or, or, or commit to that type of community or, or whatever it looked like in that season. It was just tough. But I've also found this life-giving aspect. And why is this type of koinonia where Jesus is our commonality at the center of who we are and our conversations and what we do? It's because as it shapes us to be more like Jesus, we become people who can truly joy or truly be fulfilled and find joy in Jesus. This John 10, 10, life and life to the full. Some of us don't experience that because we have yet to be shaped and to be the type of people that are able and can contain that type of joy. That we believe we were created by God for relationship with him and each other. And as we commit to that, God just begins to shape us. And can I tell you that this type of community and relationship, not because there's never any conflict, Man, there's sometimes where Jacob tells me in the morning, like, man, you're being an idiot. You need to stop doing this. you got to stop doing this. And what I want to do is swing rather than say, thank you for that. I appreciate that. But we are committed to each other, and we are committed first and foremost to Jesus and the betterment of it. And in the midst of that, you find relationships that bear your burden. Because I can remember when we lost our baby for the first time to a miscarriage. I didn't know what to do other than Pastor Craig and Shanda, the first people that text me outside of family were this group who I was committed to. Why? Because they were close enough to know. Some of us, we struggle with loneliness, but we keep everyone at an arm's length, and we wonder why no one knows what's going on because we've yet to commit to the commonality and the closeness and the intentionality of koinonia that is meant to make your burdens lighter, to make your joy more intense. In Jewish community, you had this idea that if there was an emotion that you were experiencing that was too great for yourself, no matter what was happening, like if you were in a real like, anxiety, like fight against someone else, but you lost a loved one, that was put on pause and you were called to mourn with those who are mourning. Because community carries the joys and the pains together in koinonia So this is what we actually want to lead into over the next four weeks. Now, if you've been hearing about this, you heard the word small groups. I know, say, if you have an experience with small groups, there's probably some great experiences. There's probably some you're like, ah, it seems a little, I'm not sure about it. I want to invite you over the next four weeks to just to suspend your feelings and judgments for what you think, and let's just look at some practical ways that might actually be different than something you've looked at before. This is something that Pastor Craig and Shanda about a year and a half ago began to pray and talk to our staff about, hey, we, we just need to figure this out, something's just not clicking. And rather than saying, like, oh, it just doesn't work for us in Surrey, it just doesn't work for the North American church, as we look to what we're actually called to in the Bible, we can't help but say, hey, this is something we need to try and lead our community at Horizon Church into. So we're going to take four weeks and look at some of the ways. How can we learn to do this with our rhythms? And over the next four weeks, the goal is to look at what type of community koinonia like this could actually look like for Horizon. Horizon. And so if you've never been a part of something like this, you haven't heard of community groups or groups or whatever else, we're, you'll be hearing this word cohort, which is kind of maybe sometimes just a fresh word, sometimes a, a new word to something removes some of the baggage of stuff before, but it also holds this meaning of a small group of people contending for the same thing. So you'll be hearing this word as we talk about over the next four weeks of what it could actually look like. And the invitation at the end of this four weeks the invitation is then going to be to commit to being a part of this type of community. Give it a try. Because family, as we've been walking over the next last couple weeks of prayer and fasting, contending together, and I can tell from the conversations I've had with people, God's beginning to stir new hope our hearts as a collectively as a church God is word after word after word keeps coming in that hey there's a, a new chapter a new page the a, a lifting of our eyes a, a rebirth of certain things and joy that we are called to our city that God is, has not forsaken the call to see people find healing for yesterday purpose for today, and vision for tomorrow as God begins to stir our hearts towards things family Community is part of the Lord's arsenal and how he helps shape us to be the types of people that can walk out in victory and see his kingdom come, his will be done. At the beginning of the Lord's prayer, it is our Father. We are tied to each other whether we like it or not. So without the keys, without the, the mood music, I'd love to request and ask you to consider Committing to the next four weeks. as we begin to look to the word of God and say, what does this type of community look like for me today? And my prayer for you is that the longing that is in your soul that I know is there because you were created in Jesus, just like I was for community with the Father and called to community with each other. My prayer is that you would find what you're looking for. Not that it would be easy, not that you wouldn't have to sacrifice anything or adjust, but the deep, meaningful life of John 10, life and life to the full that we would walk in, I believe is found as we engage in Koinonia with Jesus at the center, his will, his word, together. So Jesus, we love you. And God, we ask that. Lord, even right now, if there's any baggage when it comes to this, because we're people and we're broken, so if we've ever had a relationship with another human, we have reason and excuse in our mind to pull back from that. God, I pray that you would give us a fresh vision for what you're actually calling us individually to. Lord, we pray that your word would be the light and the lamp and what you are calling us to would supersede our experience and our emotions. We really love you, Jesus. Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us, that gives us a better hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.